by this. I'm so blessed by what is happening in our small groups, in our cell groups. I mean, just, just how God is, you know, just God has restored, you know, that level of intimacy that many lost. Um, that was restored by, by, by God's goodness. He, he reconnected some of us who would have gone astray, who were straying in some way or the other in our relationship with him. And last week we got an opportunity to restore some relationships. Some were family relationship, maybe church relationship, work relationship. But there's a restoration, a reconnecting that is taking place as we operate in healthy relationships and see God's goodness as we focus over the last two weeks and connecting vertically and connecting horizontally. We understand the deeper meaning of the cross that when it comes on to our Christian faith, relationships are very, very important, meaning our relationship with God and our relationship with others. This morning, uh, I want to forewarn you because it's, 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 I'm, I'm not going to do a long talk about it, but this is your uncomfortable possible message. But let's, so let me help you. How many persons, uh, I know we're online and I won't see your response, but think about this. How many persons felt when I was speaking to them about connecting vertically, I was trying to take away God from them? Nobody would think that. Last week when I spoke about connecting horizontally, how many of you thought like, okay, the church is trying to take away our relationships? I don't think anybody thought that. So I'm going to talk about money today. So I don't want you to think that I'm trying to take your money from you. I wasn't taking God from you. I wasn't taking any other relationships from you. So certainly, the purpose of this message is not to take your money from you. I hope we can at least have some agreement there because how can we walk unless we agreed? So I hope we have some agreement there because this morning I want to reconnect you to God's financial favor. I think that is so important. Our key text is Matthew 25 from verse 14 to 30, right? A very long passage of scripture and I know that uh, many persons have been impacted not just relation, relationally through this time or throughout this pandemic but financially there has been a lot of impact in a lot of persons life. And there is a way to still walk in God's financial favor in this time. And I want to help you with that. In other words, I was trying to get your relationship with God right. I was trying to get the other relationships in your life right. Today, I'm trying to get your money right for you. Not your money right from you, your money right for you. All right? This is to help you and not to help me. Get your money. I want to make that very clear. All right? And, and so don't, don't move from the stream. Just stay with me in the name of Jesus. You're going to be blessed at the end of this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As we normally do, we normally stand for the reading of God's word. So Matthew 25 from verse 14 to 30. Still, if you're at home, just stand with us. We stand for the reading of God's word. I want you to lift your Bibles up with me. Lift them high in the air and lift them like you really, really care. And wave them there and wave them here in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, let's read. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents 
went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he, ha he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to, the, to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you for your word. For thine word is truth. It's a lamp and a light to us. Open our eyes this morning to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Our minds to understand your word. And our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Let your will be done and your kingdom come. May we be more than mere hearers of your word, but doers also. We thank you that this morning, God, you give us this great opportunity to reconnect to your financial favor in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. The truth is that this pandemic has affected so uh, affected some person's personal relationship with God, the vertical relationship. And But we, we dealt with that over the first week. For others, their relationship with other people has been affected. The horizontal relationship, and at length we spoke about that last week. But another ma major era where almost everyone has probably suffered some effect is in the era of their finances. And so this morning, I want us to look uh, at God's word and try to understand from his word how we can reconnect to God's favor in our lives during this time of the pandemic. And I just want to lay a foundation so we can understand some things. Uh, you can never outgive God. And I want to challenge you to try and outgive God. His word is clear. And what you give up for him, he will return to you plus more. You see, God has clearly revealed one of the major contributing factor, factors to living a life of financial fruitfulness is personal productivity. If you're going to be financially fruitful, you're going to have to be personally productive. You're going to have to be profitable, productive. Because one of the servants was called unprofitable. He was unproductive, wasn't producing. 
if you want something from God, you must first give something to God. Because God wants to honor you, but only if he, he is honored by you. God will honor you when he, God, is honored by you. So when you do good with your money and honor God with how you both use it and give it, it is a guarantee that you will receive back from God or back from the Lord. It's not how much, just how much you give, it's how you use your money or the money that God has given you. And so there are, there are now three groups of people in our nation. The haves, the have-nots, and they have not paid for what they have. Those are the three groups of people. Let me say them for you again. You have those, the haves, you have the have-nots, and you have, they have not paid for what they have. I, I don't know what group you're in, but I want to help you this morning. You see, God didn't make the road to financial victory a mystery. It's not. He set up a signpost, clearly marked, and said, Give to me, then I will protect, provide. I will protect you, provide for you, and I will promote what you do. So financial victory comes through financial wisdom, which makes the fear of God the highest priority and honor him, honoring him with how you use the money he gives you. What you do with what you get is as important as what you get. Let me say that again. What you do with what you get is as important as what you get. If you read the text properly, it uses the word ability once. He gave to them based on their ability. Your ability determines how much you get from God. If you don't have wisdom in handling money, God can't entrust you with money. Because you will always get based on your ability. Have you ever wondered why one got five, one got two, and one got one? And the one that failed was the one who got one? It's, it's almost, if you really look at the text, you'd figure that. It's almost like in the heart and in the eye of God, he knew that, that he knew their ability. And it's almost like he knew that that man had some issues, an issue of fear. He had an inability to use what he had effectively. And therefore, he was affected. When you give to God, he will hear and respond to your prayers when you need him the most. You see, giving is also often a thermometer that measures the temperature of the intimacy in your relationship with God. So if there's no spiritual investment, why are you expecting a spiritual return? I'm, I'm not preaching a prosperity message, so let me help you. See, see, a prosperity message based on what you probably hear on TV. Because the difference between the prosperity gospel and legitimate biblical prosperity is one word, motivation. What motivates you to want more? What motivates you? That's it. One word, motivation. Are you motivated by your relationship with God and your love for him and honoring him? Or are you motivated by pleasing people and being like the Jones? Someday, they are going to close the box on you and they are going to close the box on me. We are going to leave this world and go to the real world, the kingdom of God. There we will show what we really have. And the only thing that will matter on that day is not what we left behind, but what we sent on ahead. Not what you left behind, really. is what did you send ahead. But before I, I, I get into the reconnecting aspect, because the, the last word in the title of the sermon is the word favor. And so let me give you... Uh, 
I'm going to be very didactic. They call it, you know, teaching from the scriptures. Give you the definition of the word favor. The word favor, it, it means, let me say this first. Favor isn't an accident. Favor is a deliberate design by God to reward us for acts of obedience invisible to others. It is a reward for obedience to God. Favor comes as we obey those who are over us in the Lord. It comes as we obey the Lord. Favor is when God causes someone to desire to become a problem solver in your life. Favor is an attitude of goodness towards you. It is the willingness, desire, and participation of someone to help us advance or obtain something we want. It is like you're being set up to be blessed up. It's like you have obeyed God, and because you have obeyed God, things begin to fall into place to get you out of where you're at into what God wants you to be and wants you to become. You didn't know that those things were in place, but as you get to the place, people are already in position to get you through what you need to get through, get you to get through. You, you are able to get done what needs to be done faster than normal because favor is on your side. So now that we understand favor, that's what I'm talking about. That God wants to reconnect us to financial favor. To a place where all the finance we need to become and to do what God wants us to do, it will fall into place. People will be put into positions and God will do things to cause it to work together for our good. And that is why it was important that we deal with our relationship with God first and our relationship with others. Because if you're going to walk in financial favor, here is what. You're going to need good relationship with God and good relationship with people. So, so number one, let me, let me just get that. That was the sermon before the sermon. So let me get into the sermon. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Right? We, re we reconnect to God's financial favor when we are good stewards of his resources. Good steward. You have to be a good steward. If you look at the text. And you read the text again. It says. Here are some of the things. They were his goods. Meaning. The, the goods belong. The talents belong to the master. The servants didn't own them. At no point did the servants own them. He delivered his goods, and I want you to remember this, to his servants. Not everybody gets God's favor. Not everybody gets access to God's resources. The master gave his talents to his servants. Look at your Bible. It says it. It says to his servants. It didn't say to some servants. It says to his servants. So that they could look after them. Not for themselves, but they were supposed to look after them for the master in his absence. I want you to get this because it means that I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it means that when God gives us something that belongs to him, he gives us to manage it for him because he's not here right now. But he's coming back again. That's what the scripture teaches. That is, the servants were to steward these positions, possessions in the same manner that he would if he were there. So he says, listen, I'm giving you my Bible to keep. They were supposed to treat the Bible the same way that the master would have if he was there. God gives us resources and he expects us to do with the resources what he would do if he were here. So God has the right to do whatever he wants with his possession. Job understands this very well. When after he had literally lost everything, he said this, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What Job was saying is that since everything is the Lord's, then he has 
every right to do whatever he wants with it. He can give it to whomever he wants, and he also has right to take it all away. He gives and he takes away. You see, we love the giving part of God. We don't like the taking part. And that's the problem. Nobody likes the taking. Everybody likes the giving. But God has all right because they are his. It's his resources. We are stewards of God's resources, not owners. And you will never understand kingdom stewardship until you understand ownership and who owns it. If you believe you own your money, you can't be a good steward. You treat your money differently when you realize that this belongs to the Lord. I I'm telling you, when you begin, let me help you. You know, that is why I don't like to borrow stuff. Because I have to be too careful. Because when I borrow stuff from people, if it breaks, here's the problem I have. I still have to replace their broken stuff, and I still don't have one for myself. So you have to be very careful. When it is mine, I don't really care if it breaks. Because if it breaks, I just have to get back one. But if I borrow someone's stuff and it breaks, I have to get back theirs and then get one for myself. So when you are stewarding something for someone, you treat it differently. In fact, most people, when they lend you stuff, they will tell you how to treat it. In other words, they are telling you, because I'm not going to be there, here's what you need to do. Or they'll say, you know what? I can't lend you this, but I'll come and use it to do what you want it to, want to be done. When you hear me, you have to understand that you don't own it. The scripture said, he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Why didn't you deposit my money, the scripture says, in the bank? Whose money is it? I, I want, I, you listen to me online. I'm going to ask you again. Whose money is in the bank? Whose money you put in the envelope on a Sunday? God's money. It's the master's money. Whose money you went to the supermarket with? It's the master's money. Whose money bought the car? It's the master's money. Why? Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Hallelujah. So the thing is that God entrusted, or he has entrusted his resources to us. He expects us to make wise and godly decisions with them. And that was a failure of one of the servants. One servant didn't make wise, godly decisions with God's resources. God's resources ought to be treated in a way that God would want them to be treated. That's how we operate with God's resources. So the first two servants were described as good and faithful. Good and faithful servants. Because they were faithful enough to invest and increase the resources God gave to them. That's the thing. says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling small amounts. So I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let me just, let me just back up and say something to you. Because you know that God has a right to do whatever he wants with what is his. While God has the right 
to do whatever it wa he wants. We have a responsibility to handle faithfully what he has given to us. We don't have the same right as God. And I think sometimes we think that. I have the right to do what I want to do with my hard work, earned money. Like most times when kids get their first job, they're still in their parents' house. And the parents say, listen, you need to contribute. They say, well, no, 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 that's not how it works. I have a, the right to do with my money what I want to do. You see, people <laughs> don't understand that you're, really, you're living in a borrowed house, borrowed space. You don't really own the money. When you... When your parents send you to school for 25 years, until they finish 25 years, they don't own the money. They really own it. And they're allowing you to be stewards of it. So you don't start owning money until you cancel out the 25 years. So when you're 50, you start owning money. All the money you earn up to 50 belongs to your parents. But your parents love you so much, so they make you stewards of the money. And if you do a good job, they say, keep it. Some of the children are saying, well, might as well I don't work. <laughs> just, just depend on you. Right? But that's the problem. We have a ownership mindset instead of a stewardship mindset and that's what is messing up the church and society we think ownership instead of stewardship and if you're going to function effectively financially in god's kingdom you can't think ownership you have to think stewardship well done good and faithful servant let's celebrate together you see, good stewardship is more about what we do with the amount we get than the amount we initially get. In other words, sometimes we think because we don't have much as the next person, we don't have a responsibility. Whether you have five million, two hundred thousand, or one dollar. God's expectation has not changed and your responsibility to be a good steward. Steward. Listen, if you got one dollar from God, he expects the same faithful stewardship as a man who gets five million. I want you to think about this in the scripture. If the man who got one and didn't do anything suffered so much, imagine if the man who got five wasn't a good steward. Have you ever thought about that? Because to whom much is given, much is expected. Imagine what the consequences for him would have been. God expects church the same level of faithfulness from us, whether the amount we receive from him is small or great. So the scripture teaches us, if you're faithful in small things, you will be made master. Come and share with me. In other words, you have shown yourself to be a good steward over this. Now you are able to get more from me. If you fail at managing your little, you won't get your much. You see, a lot of people want financial favor, but they're not operating right now in good financial stewardship. In other words, your mind tells you, listen, it's too little for me to tithe out of it. It's too little for me to give out of it. The more I get, is the better giver I will be. God says, listen, if you can't master $10, you can't master $10 million. If $10 is controlling you, then imagine what $10 million is going to do. It's going to destroy you. So according to your ability, I'm going to keep giving you $10. But if you get the stewardship right, I'm going to increase it from 10 to 5. It's about your stewardship. So when you see someone else doing well financially, a lot of times it's because they were faithful when they had little. And 
God is giving them more. The third servant was described as wicked, lazy, and unprofitable. Because out of fear, he misunderstood, he misjudged, and he mischaracterized the master. Here's what he said in verse 25 of chapter 25. He said, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it. Isn't that the craziest thing ever? The man was afraid, but look what he did. He didn't even keep it to keep it safe. He hid the money in a time when farming was a very popular thing. Imagine if someone had bought that plot of land and dug it up and planted some crops. How you'd have found that one talent, whatever it was? Good stewards operate in faith and not fear. You see the other two servants who are called good and faithful. The description for this servant is that he was afraid. See, when we don't steward God's resources well, they are taken from us and given to better stewards of his resources. So if you want to reconnect to God's financial favor, be a good steward of God's resources. Steward what he has given you in faith and not fear. Amen? Be a good steward. The second thing to reconnect to God's financial favor is tithing faithfully. Or we reconnect to God's financial favor when we tithe faithfully. And it's very simple. If God entrusts us with his resources, then we can trust him with the tithe. If God gave, if it belongs to the Lord, then it shouldn't be a problem to give it back to him. Now what do you do? I think I know your answer. If you lend somebody something, say you lend them your lawnmower, and they refuse to give it to you, they give it back to you, what do you do? A couple of things. If you can't afford to, you leave them with it. And they say, you know what? They're not getting anything else at all from me to borrow. That's, that's one action. Many people take that. And they say something like, once bitten, twice shot. Don't even know what that means, but they normally say that. Meaning, lend them a lawnmower, and every time you go to borrow and use the word borrow from them, they say, you remember my lawnmower? If, if it's finances and you go to the bank, they say to you, I mean, you still don't pay off the last debt, so we're not lending you any more money. Right? That's, that's one thing people take. Alright? The other option is that they get the police. They get other people involved in getting back what is theirs. Or, they just come and take it from you. And leave you with nothing. And the relationship is still broken. But any one of the three things that is done affects the relationship. And remember, we are trying to reconnect vertically and horizontally. And one of the major areas that causes us to be disconnected from God is in the area of time. Because here's the thing. God has given us his resources. And when we don't tithe, we are saying, God, I'll give up. I'm not done with it yet. We put it off. It, 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 it's what happened in the world. Listen. All right. Listen, something come up. So give me a next week. Have me have to deal with this. You have those people who borrow money from you. Give me a next week. Give me, give me a next. You know what i Something come up. Give me a next month. You have a thing that's going on on, 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 on social media. Say about Jamaican and lending them money. Soon as they lend Jamaican money, they said that they gone into um, quarantine. <laughs> can't find them. They gone into isolation. Can't find them. They gone into quarantine because people have that thing. In other words, when you don't ties to God, when you, when you don't give back to God what is His, you don't want to relate to Him. It's hard. That is why you ought to owe no man nothing because it's hard to come and be in an intimate relationship with somebody you owe things. It's very uncomfortable. All right? 
he called together his servants and entrusted his money while he was gone. The scripture says it, while he was gone. And that means if, if it is while he was gone, it is speaking to a coming back. So he's coming back. And he did come back. He did come back to, to, to settle accounts. You see, the difference between tithe and offering, you see, an offering is anything you give in addition to the tithe. The tithe is given out of requirement. The offering given out of relationship. It's like what Bill Hybels says. He says, the tithe is a wonderful goal, but a goal, but a terrible place to stop. It may begin there, but it doesn't end there. What is a tithe? It's very simple. A tithe is 10% of the gross earning. So God says, listen, you prayed, I help with a job, I help with a business. All right, keep 90, be a good steward of all 100%. But here's the thing. The first thing you need to do, give me back 10. And listen, that's good stewardship and still steward the 90 that is left. It's his money to do whatever he wants, right? So... Nothing would have been wrong if God says, give me 90%. Could have. Amen? Could have said 50-50. He could have said, listen, you work and I take all the money. He's God. God could say, listen, I'm going to make you all about work for nothing. Every time you work, I'm going to find a way to take your pay. He says, no. I'm going to entrust you. With the greater portion. 90% is yours. And all I'm asking you to do is to trust me with 10. That simply means that tithing then is the foundation. And not the ceiling for our giving. It's where it begins. If you can't get past this, it's going to be hard for you to go anywhere. If tithing is returning... Because remember, tithing is not paying back. Because you borrow. Or it has been entrusted to you. So, you may call it payback at the bank. But you're really returning the bank's money. Because you borrow it. It has been entrusted to you. Don't come and tell me after I lend you my share. Uh, I lend Brother Wade my share to cut his hair. And you come back and tell me. That, that <laughs> you know, I'm. Um, yeah, yeah, you ain't giving me a share. You don't wrap up my share in a nice gift wrap and say, hey, I'm presenting you with this. You don't do that. You are returning what belongs to me. So if tithing is returning what belongs to the Lord, then we haven't really started giving until we have passed the tithe. Because what you have just did, the 10% is just returning what is the Lord. No, you need to start giving. Because tithing isn't really giving. It's returning. In fact, tithing isn't really being generous. You're not being generous when you tithe. You can't be giving back my share and say you're being kind to me. That, that causes conflict now. You can't you can imagine I borrow Brother Kendrick guitar. Say, Brother Kendrick, let me take a picture of your guitar. And a week after, I go to him and say, hey, Lucky, you know. Just treat me a kind to you today, you know. Hold a guitar. You know what the man would think? This man is a madman. <laughs> I'm wondering if that is like God. <laughs> like, some of us must be crazy. Think we are being kind to God when we return the tithe. It's not being generous. We recon reconnect by being good stewards. Reconnect by tithing faithfully. Then we reconnect to God's financial favor when we give cheerfully. So now we pass tithing and we get to giving. And there's a way to give. There is a right way to give. I'm going to show you this in so many ways. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Giving starts in your heart. Let me say that again. Giving begins in your heart. The state of your heart determines the state of your giving. The place where your heart is at determines. Listen, this is so true. When people have problems with church, heart problem with church, the first thing they do is they affect their pockets. What I mean by that? 
is that the last thing people give when they start coming to a church is their money. And the first thing they take when they're leaving is the money. It's a heart issue. Check it out. It says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In other words, God is more concerned with the attitude of our hearts than the amount that we give. God is more concerned with the attitude of our hearts. Where is our heart? That is why the widow's might is spoken about because God is concerned with the attitude of our hearts. What is the attitude of your heart when you give? Are you glad that you do this or you feel like you're under pressure? Do you believe that you have to give your money to church or you have to give your money to a worthy cause? No, it is God's money and you should be glad that he has given you the ability to steward his resources well. It is more about what is in our hearts than what comes out of our mouths. Because we are most like God when we give and when we give with the right attitude. It's about your heart. And I'm telling you, if your relationship with, is off with God, then you're going to have a problem giving to God. But those who God controls their heart, giving is not a struggle. When you are surrendered to the Lord, when you understand that the, the earth is the Lord. When you understand that he's the master and he has given me gift. When you understand all of that, giving becomes easy. And you begin to walk in God's financial favor. You see, uh, I'll go close with this number four. We, we reconnect to God's financial favor when our offerings are acceptable. Our, our giving is acceptable. Our tithing is acceptable. Listen, a tithe is 10%. So if you give 9%, you have no tithe. If you give 1%, you have no tithe. It's 10%. You can't go more, but you can't go less. It's not a tithe. All right, but watch it. But it, so it must be acceptable. If giving is not cheerful, it is not acceptable. If you're vexed, don't give. If you're vexed with God, what the scripture said last week, if you're coming to bring your gift to the altar and you find out that your brother has art against you, leave your gift there, go and resolve it. If your heart is wrong, your gift cannot be acceptable. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Not just in the New Testament, that Matthew scripture, but it's in the Old Testament. It's right there. You know, there's an acceptable offering and there's an offering that is not acceptable. And it's in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 4. You know the story about Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 2 to 5. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Listen to this church. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn from his flock. In, in some translation, it says, and the fat. In other words, he brought the animal and the fat. If you check it in your Bible, in the King James Version, it says, and the fat. All right? The Lord, watch this. I know you probably missed this. It says the Lord accepted Abel. Very important. God speaks to the person first before he speaks to the gift. The scripture said, before you get to the gift, it said the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. God did not just accept the gift. But he accepted the giver and he accepted the gift. When it comes to acceptable offering, God must accept the giver and accept the gift. Because if he doesn't accept the giver, he can't accept the gift. Here's what it says. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. If God doesn't accept the giver, God doesn't accept the gift. But here's what happened. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Out of this, he went and killed his brother. 
he had a relational, relational problem with God, and he had a relational problem. His vertical relationship was bad, and his horizontal relationship was bad. It made his offering unacceptable, and him unacceptable, and it led to murder. When the relationships are wrong in our lives, and we are not accepted, it makes our offering unacceptable. And when our offerings aren't, when you're doing your best and God not accept it, have you ever done that? Have you ever? I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. And I, what happened is that you feel, you feel rejected. The scripture said dejected. He felt dejected because he thought he did his best. And he wasn't accepted. The Lord and his part considered Cain's offering and described that it is unacceptable. The question that I have to ask is why not? Why wasn't Cain's offering acceptable to God? It wasn't the content of the offering that God rejected. It was the person making the offering that God rejected. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard, one translation said. It was not just the offering that God rejected, but Cain himself. Why was God willing to accept Abel's offering? So why did God accept Abel and his offering? And not Cain and his offering. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says this. By faith. You remember we spoke about faith and fear. In stewardship. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Abel offering to God was better because it was based on faith. Not fear. So if you go back to Genesis 4. I want you to notice very, something very important. God regard, had regard for, for Abel and his offering. Now verse 5 says, But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. God regards the person over the offering. So he, God had regard for Abel, but not for Cain. Wait to understand that. God accepted one and didn't accept the other. And because that person wasn't accepted, their offering was not accepted. So God knows the heart. And so because God knows the heart, God knows when there's hate and anger and bitterness in our heart. He knows it. And so he says, how am I going to take something from you? How am I going to receive this from you? How many persons in here, you sit down and see the person who deep down in their heart want to kill you. And they cook a nice pot of stew for you and you eat it. You wouldn't. Not because the food don't taste good. Not because it don't look good. Not because they're not a good maker of stew. Just because you know deep down that this person hates me. If the relationship is off, the offering is going to be unacceptable. And so you are not receiving and walking in God's favor in your life. Not just because of the offering, but because of the relationship. And that is why we need to get the relationship right. In fact, I'm telling you, when many people were connected with God the right way and connected with people, they were doing okay. The moment they start disconnecting from God and disconnecting from people, finances start falling apart in their lives. Can you imagine? We are, we are a church, say for example, of 200 people. And you operate a business. And so everybody in the church, because of networking, they are able to do business with you because you're part of the church. Then something happens and it's unresolved. And you stop talking to the people in the church. What do you think will happen? They're going to stop using your business. And then they stop using your business and, and, and finances start getting affected. Relationships are important. To make our offerings. Acceptable. Worship is a matter of heart. It's not a matter of form. See, Cain's form was fine. There was nothing wrong with a grain offering. The problem was a matter of the heart. He could make all of the sacrifices that he wanted. But until his heart was right, he could never have a relationship with God. You see, it doesn't matter what you sacrifice for God. If your heart is not right with him, he cannot and will not accept your offering. Our offerings must be acceptable. If your offering is acceptable, church, if you give cheerfully, if you tithe faithfully, and if you be a good steward of God's resources, he's going to bless you because God is a reward. 
and that's his nature. Listen. God can cause you to have a harvest in the hardest time. Let me say that again. God can cause you to have a good harvest in the hardest time. No matter how tough you see things are, God can cause you to prosper. Listen. I don't have a lot. But one of the things that I've learned in this whole pandemic is that I believe that I've grown some more in the Lord. My marriage is better. I mean, the family is better in terms of how we relate. Everything, everything is improving. And here's the thing. I mean, sometimes I don't like to share the testimony. I share. I had my car to insure. No, we had to still pay school fees because, I mean, whether it's online or offline or inline or outer line, you have to pay school fees. That's just how the system works. Don't matter what clothes line, I mean, I don't matter what fence line, you have to pay school fees. You understand? Lean line, straight line, you have to pay school fees. That's just the system. So we had to pay school fees. The car needed to be serviced and needed to be registered and needed to be, um, the insurance needed to be done. And I'm saying, how am I going to do all of this? Right? Lady Senate, as you know, she started a business. And I mean, it's okay, but it's not like it's making profit and investment in that. I said, Lord, how is this going to do? And watch this. I went to the, the, the insurance place. And they're basically saying, um, because you can choose not to uh, evaluate your car. And they do the insurance based on the last value. Or you can um, evaluate it or give them a letter to say that you reduce the value by a certain amount and that changes the amount that you pay. Alright? So we started out at some huge amount like 70 or 1,000. Alright? But at the end of that, I end up paying around $51,000. Alright? Not only that, out of that $51,000, one of my friends called me and said, Hey, I'm coming to Motorious. I have a check for you. Alright? My wife picked up the check. And on the check was written $30,000. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how God, God is so awesome. My next person just called me and said, you know what? I'm going to send some money for your team because it's a long time I have. Just go and pick it up on the Saturday. That was 13000 It's 30500 and some stuff. The registration cost 30500 Insurance cost 50 something thousand. Remember that 30? It only cost me. 20 something thousand dollars. Why do I say that? I'm saying that because things are tough, but even in tough times, you can still walk in God's financial favor. I don't testify because I want you to want my testimony. I testify because I believe that God is a way maker. And if we honor Him, if we, if we are good stewards, if we give cheerfully, if we tithe faithfully, and if we offer acceptable offerings, our God will cause us to walk in financial faith. None of what you think you own, you really own. All that you own is really God's. God has a purpose when it comes to your finances, our finances. The issue is not whether you will the issue is not whether you will accept your stewardship but what will you do with it the question is what kind of business will you do with the lord's property when you lose sight of the return of the master and you lose sight that one day you'll have a conversation with him to talk about how you invested the resources put at your disposal you have lost sight of everything. And that means anything at all. You can't lose sight of the fact that the master is going to come back to give an account. So the question is, are you giving God's kingdom a quality return on the resources he has blessed you with? Or is God getting leftovers? So the issue of stewardship is not perfection. It is an issue of pattern. So how do we reconnect to God's favor? By being good stewards of God's resources. We tithe faithfully, we give cheerfully, and we offer a 
settle up right Tour God. Listen, I want to pray for you. Just you're at home, wherever you are, just stretch your hands out and just receive this this morning. I want to pray in the name of Jesus that God would, in this time, reconnect you. There's much for you to do. We did the shape series. God has given you such ability. But if you have all the ability and you don't have the favor of God, you may never make major accomplishments. And so now that we did that and you have all of this ability and you want to do stuff, but you're wondering where the resources are coming from or where are they going to come from? Who is going to finance this? Listen, I'm going to pray God's favor. Our God is an almighty fortress. And he has gone before you and he's establishing some divine connection in places of divine favor for you. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. He shines in the darkness. He wins every battle. Nothing can stand against him. Come on, stretch your hands out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord God, I thank you for every person listening and watching. God, by our very presence here today, watching online, listening to you, we know that you are keeping us. And so before we make our request, we make our gratitude remarks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for steadying the ship of our life when the waters are rough. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, for every person who by faith has stretched forth their hands. God, I pray for financial favor. That God, you'll begin to connect them to people and resources in uncommon places, in uncommon ways, in the name of Jesus. God, as Jabez prayed and said, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. God, I pray that you'll bless them in the name of Jesus financial blessing and financial wisdom for everything that you have called them to in the name of Jesus. God, I declare right now, I declare right now that they are good stewards in the name of Jesus. Faithful stewards in the name of Jesus. Stewards who will manage your resources well in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that these are people who tithe faithfully. I thank you that they'll be cheerful in their giving. I thank you, Lord God, that as they have reconnected relationally with you and reconnected relationally with others, I thank you, Lord God Almighty. I thank you, God, that you're reconnecting them to financial favor. Opportunities of employment. A rebirthing of dreams. God, where it seemed like nothing was happening, I thank you that a new thing will spring forth in the name of Jesus. For you are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are here working in our midst. Hallelujah. Bless your whole soul, Lord God. I pray that, God, that the mortgage payments will be met. The car payments will be met in the name of Jesus. The medical bills will be taken care of. The growth, God, I thank you that, that from out of uncommon places, people will turn up and grocery will be at your doorsteps in the name of Jesus. I, I declare that money will turn up in your accounts and they'll, they'll be wondering where did this come from? But we will know it is the Lord. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that there will be scholarship opportunities, uh, tuition fees, and boarding will be taken care of. Favor in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you that everything that they want to do for the kingdom, everything they want to do for you, the king, God, I thank you that you're going to connect them to the resources to get it done. That they'll have to give to missions and to, to, to buy stuff and do stuff for the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord God. We thank you for reconnection to 
the financial favor of God all over our lives. Your promise did stand. We declare that great is your faithfulness. So God, we declare that we are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the field. We are blessed in our coming in. We are blessed in our going out. We are blessed when we are asleep. And we are blessed when we are away. And as the angel approached Mary and said, Blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Lord, we declare over our lives that we are the blessed and highly favored of the Lord this morning. Favor is on our side. Surely, goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. We give you thanks. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, you're at home. Come on, just clap your hands and give the Lord praise and shout hallelujah to him and say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Listen, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day.